Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome to episode 69, all together now, way of the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge and your very own peddler of pro-North Daily Mirror-style views. I am Lee Calvert, <laughs> the editor of bloodandmud.com, and over there is... I'm Josh Gardner, and I've never even been to the North. <laughs> well, you're from South Wales, which is basically the North. It's basically the same, isn't it, yeah. <laughs> Labour clubs, industry... Rugby, it's all you know. Um, bitterness, apparently. <laughs> bitterness. If anyone don't know what we're talking about, it was a fantastic, re- wonderfully negative review we've had this week, which I shared on Twitter. So have a look. Uh, speaking of that, you can get in t- contact with the pod at Blood and Mud, which is me, or there's the Blood and Mud website, and then there's the Facebook page, and, and Josh, where can I get hold of you? Uh, at Josh Gardner, or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch, and then of course there's RugbyShirtWatch.com and uh, Rugby Shirt Watch on Facebook, Instagram, all that chance. And we are available, uh, you're probably listening to this either on Acast or on Apple Podcasts. You can, why not subscribe while you're there? It's really worth well, it. Well, not. We're yeah. bound to say that, but honestly, it probably is worth it. You know, there's a few of you listening who think so. Uh, and also, you can leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts while you're there. As you said, we've already had one from, from Diamond Hair Dan, which said that we were dreadful <laughs> and utterly dire and gave us one star. I'm assuming because you're not allowed to give no stars because he was, he was so upset. Yes, I sent the sense there might have been something of a political gender agenda in Dan's review. <laughs> yes, where... listen to this if you want to waste your life listening to dull-witted, slow-paced commentary. Yes, we yes, recommend that. Correct. We highly recommend yeah. that. However, yeah. we've also had this week a couple of five-star reviews. Thank you very much. One from Face C Ten Sixty Six who said, "All you need to know is it contains quotes like Stuart, Man- Stuart Lancaster is a magnificent exponent of the Northern Man stance." 
genius. That's going back some that as well. Fair that play. Is, That's good that memory. Yeah. Gone back into the deep cuts. Somebody's gone, he's gone right back in there. We do get a lot of people listening to the back catalogue. I've seen from the stats every week. That's which I, me, but I mean, thank you. I'm very thankful for it, but I don't understand how you can listen to us commenting on games from eight months ago. Yeah. So remember, remember that time we chatted about the Rugby World Cup two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also another one we had was uh, by a review by a gentleman called Crocked Shoulder who said that it's better than Tony Blackburn standing in for Steve Wright. I, I would hope so, frankly, but yeah. thank you very much. But basically he was on a tip run. And he was listening to us, and we were far better than listening to the radio, is basically what he's saying. I won't give you the full. But that's it, so yes. I hardly endorse that. For all of your rubbish dumping needs. uh, (laughs) What else are we here for, if not to soundtrack a a, a run to the tip? So what have we got coming up for you this week? I'll tell you, as soon as I get back to the right page I'm meant to be on. We've got a look at the magnificent first outing. For the British and Irish Lions. Absolutely Historic. magnificent. Phenomenal. Uh, a dip into the You Dirty Get Hall of Fame. And no, oh, it's yeah. not going to be Kevin Mealama and Amanga on Brian Driscoll because we've done it before. Yes, if we'd been thinking ahead to a ridiculous degree, we probably would have saved that for this week. You but, had me um, if if we were thinking ahead. It's something we've yes. never done. But yes, <laughs> yeah, if we'd have thought in somewhere, we'll we'll save this for when the Lions are on tour. But no, so because we were obviously trying to fill time that week. So, no, yes. we haven't got that, but we are going to do you Dirty Get this week. Yes. We've got yet more Sean Holly songs magic oh, coming your way because it just always. keeps coming our way. So why would we not yes. share the love? Uh, previews of the games to come. And, of course, the never-ending and ever-present shit good ratings, the only oh, rating course. system you need in your life. Before we get into all that, we always like to start mm. off with a little bit of news of what's yes. been going on. Have you got I'll any news ma- there, Josh? Well, I th- I saw earlier this afternoon we were recording on uh, on Monday that um, Lee Halfpenny um, has been widely expected to sign a new two year deal with Toulon. Um, mm-hmm. However, apparently, Mourapujalal um, has decided that while his uh, star kicker is off with the Lions tour, adding great prestige and pride, presumably, to the club that he's spent all that money on, um, that he's going to rescind that contract, and so. Uh, Lee Halfpenny at the moment doesn't have a well. When he comes back from the Lions tour, will be Son's club, and uh, even using the, the lingo, I like it. <laughs> I like to feel a bit, a little bit, you know, exotic, a little <laughs> bit sort of, you know, continental. Um, but yeah, it's bizarre because Toulon lost uh, the top fourteen final yesterday, um, in no small part thanks to the fact that um, their goal kicker missed two or three quite straightforward kicks. So you'd imagine that he would kind of want to retain um, one of the best goal kickers in the world in his squad. Um, but once again, it's Mad Murad demonstrating remarkably shoddy treatment of players that are in his, you know, yeah. tell Halfpenny this six months ago. Don't wait until he's in New Zealand on the yeah, line. Yeah, because it does raise the question now, doesn't it? You know, well, I don't think there'll be any there'll be any shortage of suitors for for well, for, for handsome problem, little Lee, will there? But uh, well, problem will be who can afford him now. Who's got any room in the cap? Yeah, yeah. Most most you know Northampton it, it feels very vindictive. Maybe yeah, it'll have to because Pickamol's going, got... isn't he? So they'll have a bit of room. Yeah. But obviously, you don't it'll want to replace have... a number eight with a fullback, do you? Well, no. But it's like who's going to have. You know, he was rumoured to be on 750k a year at Toulon. 
Well, he won't be now. anymore, will he? He's not <laughs> going to be, yeah. There was talk that he was going to take a significantly reduced deal now to sort of somewhere in the sort of 400 to 500 territory, but still. Oh, the poor bastards, the, yeah. Well, who the hell's got half a mil of salary cap space kicking around, at, you know, in May, given that most contracts have been signed and agreed, you know, usually about January, February time? It's... It's such a dick move, and you know, by all accounts, I'm assuming it must be a surprise. Obviously, he basically said, like, pretty much up until he went on the Lions tour, like, can we please get this sorted before I go? I'd really like to get this sorted before I go. And as far as he was aware, there was a deal on the table that they just needed to basically sort the paperwork out. Yeah, because it's happened a couple of weeks. That's why Cardiff kind of slowly, sorry, yeah, whatever they're called this week, uh, drifted away uh, because they were like, well, obviously, we're never going to match that money. And if there's one on the table, then we've had it. So that's that. He wanted a new three-year deal with Toulon. Oh, he wanted, they wanted him to sign a three-year deal. And he only wants to sign a two-year deal because he wants to go and play Super Rugby after the next Ah. World Cup. Um, and so the WIU sort of backed out, but yeah, you wonder if he's going, his hands are going to be tied now, and he's going to have to end up going back to Cardiff and the Blues and uh, and to Wales. But yeah, it's just it's like for God's sake, by all accounts, Lee Halfpenny is one of the nicest men in rugby, and could not literally doesn't say a bad word about anybody, and is incredibly hardworking, incredibly diligent, incredibly focused. You know, he is basically a model professional, and. He's just been treated like shit. And it's like, come on, really? Yeah, he's well, you know, Boozle has no respect of anything like, you know, normal society no, and norms, is he? So, but it, I think it'll be interesting now because in between the blanket Lions coverage, there will have to be some discussion about where he's going because. Well, it's, it's Bristol. not exactly great for him either, given that he's supposed to be, you know, he'd like to be focused on the Lions tour for the next six weeks, but he's going to have the reality of knowing that, A, presumably. Now that the top 14 season is over, he does not have an income anymore. Um, yes. And he knows that his agent's going to have to be fucking wheeling and dealing while he's out there. And that's it's not suddenly exactly become a buyer's market all of a sudden, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's quite bizarre, isn't it? And I mean, it's hell of a good news for somebody who needs a fullback and a goal kicker, that's for sure. It but... certainly is. Well, we shall see. Mm. Uh, but yeah, very strange. Uh, yeah. News-wise, well, you know, uh, the fairy tale of Phil Dolman oh, is no more. Phil. The book has been the book has been slammed shut with his fingers and his leg trapped in it. It seems. I there was a, well, it didn't look good when he went off in that game, but now it has been confirmed that Phil Dolman, at the age of thirty-two, will not be getting his first Wales, Wales cap. cap. That's so horrible for him. It's, it's truly it's, awful, isn't it? It's just oh, what a gutter. Um, yes. Oh, well, at least he's got a premiership title. So. Yes, which he had to limp out of, of course. It's it, but I'm amazed it's taken till the age of 32 for him to get a cap, actually, looking at it. Imagine, I suppose, if he was knocking around some crap teams, I suppose he's... he's uh, well, not, sh- I mean, short a tidy fullback. That, exactly. That's what I think. But he, I mean, when I, every time I've seen him this year, I've always been very impressed with him, actually. He's been underrated mm. for quite some time. But, uh, True that. Yeah, what other news? Courtney, Courtney Laws has been seen. It can be confirmed. Where? I've seen him in a photograph... On the Lions Facebook page. Thank God for that. Meeting some people. However, I will say he did look like a glass-eyed shell of a man. Yeah, well, I mean... And we will see him, of course, on Wednesday, but we're coming to that now, aren't we? 
Yeah, not content with having to sit next to him for the entire 24 hours, he's now got a lineup in the pack with him. <laughs> and it's like, God's sake, can you just give the guy a break? Warren? Well, the good news is he has been seen, he survived it. Yes, he he's, right. he's okay. He didn't, you know, get off the plane at Melbourne and refuse to get back on or anything like that. So, <laughs> Any more news from news. you? Ooh, there's my cat making a little appearance there. <laughs> um, one thing that I did, it's not really news, but I wasn't aware that it was happening, but the, the Lions tour... Um, is the first international thing um, that is utilising the new uh, rugby laws that are coming in. So they've tweaked uh, uncontested scrums, balls going out on the full, and also the uh, um, penalties after 80 minutes thing. So it's worth so you can kick the ball out after 80 minutes if you get a penalty and still get the line out. You still get the line out. That's probably yeah. going to be the most notable one. And, and the also, most sensible yeah. one, I think, really. Yes, probably. And also uncontested scrums. That means that you now have to um, still have eight men in the scrum, even if they go uncontested. I so. have been in many uncontested scrums in my time. Uh, mm. I've done the front row in an uncontested scrum at a very low level. And even uncontested, it, it's frightening. Yeah. Having that weight <laughs> bearing down on you. Just just, just exactly. leaning in, it's bad enough. Just- yeah, just because there's no contest doesn't mean that there's no pressure or... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah your ne- your neck engaged. feels it the day after, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, so... So, yes, there's that. And also there's some stuff about that I don't really understand about the one foot in, one foot out, catching it in touch thing, which is apparently gone now. You so have to you... have both feet in touch for it to be out on the foot. Or it has to be outside the plane of touch when you catch it. Is yes. that it? Yes, I think that's it, basically. You can't just sort of lean in and catch it with one foot in and one foot out, which is not an unsensible rule as well, I guess, but, you know. Yeah, and they've also stopped the one, does it count in, we don't know if it counts in the dead ball bit. Yes, I think that also, it's got to be rolling towards the line for that to count or something, I don't know. It's It seems like very small things that are not <laughs> yeah. going to... Aside from the uncontested scrums, maybe, and the kicking out to touch at the end of the game thing, definitely, like that's going to actually make ends of games quite a bit better I think it is yeah the rolling into the dead thing happens about once every hundred games it's an amazing thing <laughs> exactly. for, for, very... for them to spend this much time on really yeah whereas the yeah go kicking it out after 80 minutes thing is just going to stop what happens now which is teams happily cynically cynically infringing out of kicking range yeah. yes yes so or if they're over three points ahead yeah hmm yeah, so any more news? Um, first, based on the news we did last week about the taxi situation in Northland. Oh, yes, how did that go? Well, the answer is I don't know. But first <laughs> of all, um, I had to I give my apologies for my terrible pronunciation of what should be pronounced, I've been informed, uh, Fongaray. Fongaray, okay, that's good to know. Again, I could have got that wrong, but that's me doing my best with it. So I apologise <laughs> for my, my mangling of Maori names. Hopefully, but, uh, that's less wrong than it was last week. Yeah, Fong, I do, I'm actually realising the WH is an F now. So, and thank you very okay. much for uh, the gentleman on Twitter who pointed that out to me. Um, and I mean that genuinely because I wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, mm. So, Fongare, what happened to Fongare taxis? Uh, we don't know. Although, in a report that was sent to me by the same gentleman who referred the taxi story to me last week, um, he, which is in what's otherwise an incredibly pissy piece by a gentleman called Heath Moore in the New Zealand Herald, who's following the <laughs> Lions round in a camper van. Mm. He's done a very pissy piece about how quiet all the Lions fans were and how their reputation is not deserved because they were too quiet. 
They but... will literally just... This is good. It's going to be like this for six weeks, you know. <laughs> the Kiwis are comfortably some of the worst fans in rugby and their journalists are possibly the most yes. horrendous journalists in terms of just being arrogant, smug, conceited and yeah. very, very mean-spirited about everyone else. And... Yeah, this is going to be six weeks of this bollocks. And it's only, you can imagine how bad it's going to be by the time the tests yeah. come around. Outsung and outplayed is what he said. He, he said, though, I couldn't help but ask Lions fans about the lack of enthusiasm and received a surprisingly honest response. It's so early in the tour, a lot of people are still jet-lagged and the fact that you've hiked up your bruise prices means that nobody's in the chanting mood. <laughs> <laughs> One fan explained. But in the middle of this quite pissy piece, um, he, did, he referred to the fact that... Um, have come up. Lions fans told stories about locals inviting them out on their fishing boats, offered them free beds, and even the use of a car to get around town. So I think that last part of the sentence yes. is a bit of a giveaway of the shambles that was the 16 cars with two drivers problem in Fongaray. Just use my car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They say they can come in a minute when they pick up the second driver. And but they're not. They won't give me a tattoo. Tell you what, mate. Just just have my car. It's not a problem. And yes, actually, come and stay in my house, and we'll take yes. you out fishing in the morning. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> so that's this week's news. Nice. Indeed. Uh, we'll move on very quickly to a player spotted. Lewis Anderson got in touch on the Facebook mm-hmm. page with two in one sentence. Wow. He said, I've seen WP Nell at the local Tesco pizza counter with two very big pizzas under his arm. <laughs> All for him, uh, no doubt. Rehab's, rehab's going well then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've also seen Ross Ford filling his car with fuel. And he said, that's two very mediocre stories that I know you will love, yes. They're not mediocre stories, they're mundane stories, it's different. Yes. They're I fantastically think. mundane stories. Yes, I like particularly like Ross Ford filling his car with fuel, because I just assumed that he ran everywhere while pumping iron. Yeah, so. eating a flapjack, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Phil Jones, and this is a brilliant one, by the way. Phil Jones got in touch on Twitter, and he said, I saw Jason Leonard riding a tandem at yesterday's tour of Cambridgeshire Grand Fondo. He was on the back. Wow. I wish I had a photo. Not as much as I wish you had a photo, yeah, well, I think Phil. we all wish. Good Lord. I yeah. Mean... Jason Leonard, who was on the front of the tandem? That's the obviously not somebody who was very record. Suddenly, with a lot of ballast as well. I would guess. I was. Gonna say, I hope it wasn't his wife. Otherwise, that was a dangerously unbalanced tandem. I assume. Well, I don't, I'm not seeing his wife, but you never no, know. Well, yeah, you never know. She could be stacked, but you know, <laughs> she could be. Yeah. So Jason Leonard. So yeah, that's up in the ante bit. Has anyone else ever seen rugby players on a tandem? Yeah, preferably two rugby players on a tandem. Preferably a prop and a scrum off. <laughs> yeah. in front of the tandem was uh, Steve yeah. Smith he's the most ITV rugby <laughs> uh, yeah so um, so that was that so that's the news and that's the player spotted for this week shall we get into the quite magnificent game on Saturday morning what a game for I the bet ages. we're all glad we got up for that that's we? definitely going to be on the DVD isn't it <laughs> uh. oh yes uh. so obviously what we tend to do with uh, games you know ladies and gentlemen is we do what we learned from a game so, what did we learn from this game? I'll tell you what I learned. Stuart Barnes just makes his own names up now. Oh, he's fuck, He's an embarrassment, isn't he? <laughs> like, like, we can't say that we weren't aware of this otherwise, but, like, it's the first fucking game for the Lions to do a bit of prep. Like, quite aside from... He called... Whole, yeah, go on. Like, 
the borderline hysterical sky is falling over reaction at full time from him, where he basically <laughs> was just ready to fucking pack up and go out. <laughs> oh, like, please. Maybe that's the plan. Just make it God, so shit Barnes goes home. Six weeks this bollocks. Like, talking nonsense, pronouncing the names of every non-English player comically wrong. He even got, he, he even got Kyle Sinclair wrong. No, we called him yeah, Kyle, Kyle Sinclair, I think, about three times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a no, club singer in the North. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Sinclair. You're confusing him with the bloke who invented that terrible little electric car. <laughs> the C5. Yes. Yeah. Um, was it really? Excellent trivia. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. he was so bad. I mean, there was point. Alan Wynne-Jones, that was a good one. Um, Gregor Laidlaw, about Gregor 57. Laidlaw, he said Gregor Laidlaw so often that I got my phone out to look up whether that is actually what he's called. I thought, is he called Greg? Because it is actually Gregor, and I've never realised it. But no, I looked. I was like, no, he's not called Gregor. What is wrong with you? That's it was just it was. It's like, oh, that sounds Scottish, doesn't it? Aren't they all called that? Was basically it. Oh God! And then, and what? I don't know what he was doing with Falatau at one point, <laughs> but he, he he obviously went to say like Taulupe, but then but you started saying Toby, then sort of. Try to bail out into Talupe and just sort of ended up saying, like, making a strange noise. To Bupe. <laughs> yeah, he was so bad. I loved that he was so bad that even Billy V was on Twitter saying that he was watching the game on mute, which he then deleted. <laughs> Is he then deleted? Because obviously, obviously. Yeah, the PR yes. people got and phoned him. But yeah, yes, someone at the a... RFW went, Can you shut up, please? Um, but <laughs> yeah. It's still there. It's. I've noticed that if you retweet something with, uh, even if they delete it, the original tweet now remains for you to have a look at it. Oh, does it? Because just that other can people still can't see it and see it. Ah, it's... that's great. The yeah, even Billy, exists. even Billy, who we no, another reason to love he, Billy. He is great value. Let's not beat around the bush. And he is calling it how it fucking is when it comes to watching Sky Sports commentary, which might Stuart Barnes might not have a lot left to do after next season because it seems like. The word on the street is that BT are going to get exclusive rights to European rugby, which is going to leave him doing the Pro 12 and nothing else. <laughs> and he already kind of hates himself for that, doesn't he? Oh, he absolutely. You know, let's not face, let's not forget that he's referred to Munster having the best defence in the Premiership last week <laughs> in the Pro 12 final. So, uh, yes. Oh, why, oh, why must I watch this product? Maybe he should just retire. That's a oh, great idea. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's not a bad guy. No, it's just, he's just a shit commentator. He's just rubbish these days. If he wasn't, ever was. But he's um, yeah. At some point, he also said he also said the lions are not particularly. What did he say? Sincapato. Simpatico. He tried to say. He said simpacato. With this cod intellectual bollocks. That's the thing. When you have a pop at him, I remember once I did have a pop at him on Twitter once, and, and the Times, on the Telegraph, whoever he writes for anyway, got back mm. to me. They always quite how intelligent he is, doesn't he? You want to see how many books he's got at home? Oh, come on. I've got lots of books. <laughs> I've got loads of books. I'm looking at some now. The New Pictorial yeah. Knowledge Encyclopedia in 17 parts, <laughs> just over there. And um, Yeah, yeah. I've got a history I've got of the a IRA. of Adam Jones. I've got the Lonely Planet Trip to Portugal book. Yes. You know what I mean? I've got books. We, hey, you got books. We all got books. Yeah, I've got mice and men downstairs somewhere, mate. <laughs> Tell me your sources. <laughs> yeah, but it's... um. 
Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Awful. Just genuinely, like, that was probably the only thing that was keeping me going watching that absolute shit fest was just having my hate tump filled up by <laughs> Stuart Barnes over 80 minutes. We could do just... that as a feature every week. What's filled up your hate hump this week, Josh? We're gonna, we're gonna... <laughs> no, because that would be the entire podcast every week. <laughs> well, that could be a, uh, you could have a spin off podcast. Yeah, Josh's hate hump. Like that TV show now that I think it's set in Ireland with Cat and Alfie Moon in it from EastEnders. I flicked over the other day and it's not in EastEnders, but they're somewhere else. It's very odd. Doesn't but make sense. While yeah. we're on, while we're talking about Sky, nothing I learned. I'll let you go next, but this links in. Is that Sky have far too much time to fill, as was demonstrated by the Greenwood Ian McGeekin iPad techno demonstration, which took ten minutes with arrows and circles to say Ben Teo is playing the 12 role oh. in the game of rugby union football. <laughs> no, it was... It. I get it. Sky spend a lot of money on the Lions and they haven't got a lot of blue chip rugby events left. <laughs> yes. So they've really got to fucking make a fuss about it. But it does feel a little bit like, all right, guys, this is the first game against the Provincial Barbarians and everyone is clearly fucking knackered, <laughs> including everyone at home. So can we just get the fuck on with it? Yeah, but that was brilliant. It, lit- it was literally 10 minutes of diagrams to say he is playing 12. Yeah, see, I missed that because I got up literally 32 <laughs> minutes you, past eight. You are a very, went... very wise man. <laughs> I literally went downstairs with... Not even a cup of tea in my hand. Turned the television on. Well, no wonder you were fuming. You were fuming to start with, with no tea inside. Yeah. Just that, yeah. that's I, happening. I mean, it wasn't my best move. I'll get up at like twenty-five past next week, so I've got time to make through. Turn your teas made on. I see you as a teas made kind of man. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> what did you learn? Um, I learned that Johnny Sexton's slump is real and alarming. That was actually my next one as well, so yeah, I'm glad you came out. His last three games, Ulster and Scarlets for Leinster and then Saturday morning for the Lions, he has been fucking bad. Like, (laughs) he looks lost. He looks like he's trying to force everything. And the more it doesn't work, the harder he tries to force it and the worse it gets. What was that like one pass just... when he flung it 500 feet behind everybody? <laughs> where he just booted it out on the full. It wasn't even close. Like, it's, it's he... A sh- he looks like a man who doesn't like the game much at the minute, doesn't no, he? No, it's weird. and he, He's not playing smart. Like, usually, throughout his career, like even when he's not been at his best... He's usually played with a modicum of control and awareness and tactical nous that's at least got him through. Mm. But he's just playing like a fucking headless chicken at the moment. It's so out of character and so in contrast to basically everything he's done for the last two years. Yeah, if you compare that to the France game, was it, in the Six Nations when it pissed him down? And he basically just gave a masterclass to to Lopez about how to play in the rain and stuff. And that's what it needed yesterday, really, was him mixing it up and doing... That thing that he can do because oh, he is an all-weather all player, player isn't he? And instantly started kicking to the corner. Yeah, everything and looked the lo game, and behold, yes. the New Zealand provincial barbarians don't fucking like it up them <laughs> because they're trying to play barbarian rugby. And yeah, it was just it'd be interesting to see how many how much game time Gatland gives him to prove that he's not a fucking bag of shit at the moment before he just gives it up and goes, you know what, Farrell's a man. Because that's the thing, I had no time for a lot of people who were saying they've not been together long and they're just off the plane. And it's like, well, whoa, hang on a minute. This barbarian side, half of these people will be fucking bricklayers and dentists and 
whatever the hell else they're doing. Mm. You know, or they've got some kind of part-time job. They've only been together for about a fortnight themselves because they normally play for other clubs. And there might be some people who are a bit more familiar with each other than, than, than other people, but that's no different to the Lions. So I didn't... I mean, all right, there's the 24-hour flight. Yeah, I think playing the game of rugby 48 hours after you get off a 24-hour flight is a shit idea. Um, But it was just like... Yeah, and I mean, the Barbarians were obviously fired up, the biggest game that most of them will ever play. And But this would be like... Saracens or Leicester playing against somebody from Division One North, wouldn't it? Mm. Or the bottom end of the championship. I don't know. Right? I think it's it's like some <clears throat> yeah, somebody playing some like from the bottom end of the championship maybe. But it's it's the familiarity with each yeah. other that I think you know, they I think they have been together three weeks, the barbarians. Yeah. And they have the advantage that basically everyone in New Zealand roughly plays the same game plan. That is true, yeah. Whereas, yeah, we're trying to get a load of disparate fucking game plans to try and play Gatlin Ball, and that is... it should It's not easier than a lot of type, but it's still going to take a bit of time, I think. I mean, having said all that, I also going to slightly contradict myself by saying I don't think you can read much into this at all, and I think we all need to calm no. down a bit. It was terrible, but I don't think there's much we can... Yeah, people it. people jump into conclusions and saying the sky is falling, and both you know, from a you know UK and Ireland point of view, and also from a fucking New Zealand point of view, saying you know that this is going to be the worst Lions team ever, it's going to be the worst Lions tour ever. You know, yeah, if we lose two games this week playing as bad as we did on Saturday, then fair enough. Hmm. But the fact is that these are very good players. Warren Gatland has won two Grand Slams and a Lions tour. Don't forget to write them off after bad jet-lagged performance is pretty weak source, to be honest. There is an element um, of... Um, have you seen the film When We Were the Kings about the 1974 Rumble in the Jungle fight? I have indeed, yes. And there's a bit in that when Norman Mailer is one of the, the voice people, and obviously it's Ali's giving it all the chat before, and then the first round starts and George Foreman unloads everything yeah. onto him. And he says, when you looked at Ali, sat on his stool at the end of that first round, his face basically... In his eyes, you could see he realised... This monster that he kind of really must have known was coming is coming, has arrived, mm. and now he's dealing with it. And I think there is an element of a lot of the fans, really, what sat behind all the talk is they know this is going to be a George Foreman first round type problem. In that, there's just, you know, after all the flights, all the jet lag, you are still going to New Zealand and playing the toughest tour you'll ever play. Yeah. And that on Saturday against the second rate team makes you realize, well, if they can do that to us, oh my God. You know, well, and I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think it's just like, a dawning realization of finally secret, accepting what's yeah. what you what you're doing, what we're facing. And also, previous Lions tours, you know, they've played teams. You know, the last two, you know, they played fucking Argentina in Cardiff in 2005 as a warm up, and they also which played I don't really count. No bollocks, load of shite. And they played the Barbarians last time. It's like in Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah, and that was you know. That was basically playing up against a bunch of lads that were having a piss up and just wanted a good time. And it's like, there is there was none of that on Saturday. Hmm. There was, this is the biggest fucking game of any of these players' lives to date, possibly ever. And they are going... And also, like, I thought the Lions got sucked into playing the games that they wanted to play. And I think that's a, a really important lesson that they need to learn fucking ASAP. And it's part of why they struggled so badly is that they were trying to play a game that clearly wasn't on and wasn't where their strengths were lying and wasn't where their level of familiarity and cohesiveness lied, you know. 
they were trying the barbarians were trying to play barbarian rugby they were mm. trying to throw it around they were trying to you know they were trying ridiculous high percentage uh, low percentage shit you know like up and unders in the 22 and all this sort of stuff and what they should have done then is what Farrell did when he came on and kicked for the corners and rely on the physicality and the set piece to break the barbarians morale then you throw it about a bit instead you know particularly Sexton was just trying fucking miracle balls left, right, and centre, like fancy shit. When they, you know, the weather was shit, and they're clearly not in the right frame of mind or the right place in their squad cohesiveness to do that yet. And also, it's like Stuart Barnes who was saying that they have to play like the All Blacks to beat the All Blacks. We know that's it's bollocks. They're idiots. The worst thing you can do in New Zealand is to try and play their game because they're better at it than we are. They always will be. I think like, what I will say is what I learned is links into that is that. We cannot keep playing at that pace and think we're going to get anywhere. Oh, fuck. A lot of people sit... And the thing is, when you say play at pace, what people think that means is run with the ball, throw the ball. It doesn't mean that. No. It means no. actually play at pace. You can play a kicking game at pace. Mm. You know, it just needs, you just need to speed the ball up. You just up need and some it, sort of speed at And rough, it's particularly the pace of, when you, of, of your decision-making which always comes yeah. from your halfbacks at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the oldest True. story in the book. And and I think that both the fact that both starting halfbacks were fucking terrible on Saturday kind of was a millstone around everybody else's neck. But at the same time, I think, it you know, against the Blues tomorrow, against the Crusaders, we, and certainly against the All Blacks, the Lions can't pl- try and play All Black rugby against the All Blacks. Hmm. You know, the reason that or the All Blacks like playing Wales is because we play the right way, i.e. in a way that they know that we they can beat. They never say that about England, they never say that about France, and they rarely say it about Ireland because they make them uncomfortable. Because they play the game in a different way that emphasises physicality, that emphasises a set piece, that emphasises being intelligent with it. And that's the, you know, that's obviously what Gatland wants to do. You know, he wants to take mm. the All Blacks to a different place physically than they're used to being taken and in the same way that Ireland did in November last year and yeah and there's no guarantee it's going to work but it's, oh, it's, no. it's, it's but a it's plan a you can plan see some than... sense with it yeah but it's a better yeah. plan than let's go out there and give it a lash and we'll see what happens sort of thing yeah because that's a way to lose 50-25 you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes or worse and yeah like it didn't it really didn't help from a halfback point of view, that they were both shitting themselves because obviously, if you both your halfbacks are shit, then you've got no shape, no structure, and you can't really do anything. Mm. Not that, that was the only thing, because fuck me, there were some bad performances, and that kind of leads on me onto the next thing I learned, which is that those three Scottish lions that people were complaining about and how underrepresented the Scots were, I'm not sure they're going to get too many more chances to convince after that because the most generous thing you can probably say is that one of them Tommy Seymour was completely fucking anonymous yeah and I think it's pretty hard to have too much of a pop uh, outside backs in a game like that you can't you can't judge you know, an outside backs performance on a game like that really Jonathan Jones is probably the same um, yeah, although I think he, he's, he's more culpable than, than, than Seymour but yeah yeah no I, I just you could pick not just the Scottish players, but I'm saying from a fucking Scottish point of view, 
that was their shop window opportunity first out the the gates and i, I suppose from gatlin's point they all of view fluff their lines he can actually have everyone else a reason to point to why he's not picking stuart hogg because he's not doing it anyway for the tests so at least yeah. now he can say oh well, well no, he fumbled a few balls and he's not and he's you know it's just basically put a shiny hat on his reason for <laughs> yes. not picking Stuart Hogg because he demonstrated all of the shaky, mentally fragile and defensively suspect qualities that Gatland fucking hates. Didn't miss any tackles, though. No. Combined with, however, one of the worst attempts at a simple scoring pass you will oh, ever that see. that was absolutely Fuck. unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, of course, we've got Glacial Grieg, Gregor. Um, <laughs> Gregor, yeah. Yeah. The man who was never supposed to be there and God alive didn't he look it. Oh I felt I felt bad for him because I got I saw a few Scots saying that he was like solid or even good and that he'd done his like chances of a test place no f- harm and I got words. Well he didn't no harm because there's zero you anyway. You can't harm something that's a zero <laughs> yeah, chance, can you? <laughs> you can't put yeah, yourself you can't into harm negative. That isn't there. It's like trying to harm like your imagination. It's like trying to thing. harm a cloud. It's just you're not gonna be able to do it. <laughs> But, like, I felt for him because he was trying his best, but his delivery is so slow. And it combined with Sexton being a bag of shit. It's just, like you're saying, playing at pace. And what he I, killed the momentum. What every I noticed as well time. is that he, he took a, a while to make his decision. And when he did, his passes were quite a lot of the time end over end. They weren't good, were they? They were like I'm rugby never... league. T- and actually, ironically, if Hogg would have done just a gentle end-over-end pass for that try, <laughs> yeah. that would have been fine. So Hogg was fizzing it like fuck when there was no need to, and Laidlaw was yeah. gently lolloping the ball yeah. left and, and so right. nobody could really run onto anything with pace with him. Like, there was that one, like, let's not forget, like, he slipped off a very regulation tackle for that Barbarians try as mm. well, which is not going to have gone down well with Farrell. But, like, there was that bit where in the first half when he sniped from the base of the ruck just outside of the Barbarians 22. And I'm not kidding. There was no guard defender at all. There was a 15-foot hole between ruck and the 10. Exactly all he needed to do, about, and there was yeah. no, all he needed to do was keep on running in a straight line and he'd have been under the posts because the only cover was a prop who was barely able to get to the next breakdown. Not the breakdown after the tackle that was made, but the next one, he barely made it. There was no way on earth that wasn't a try. And yet, he just looked at the gap, this huge fucking gap in front of him, and he passes it to the prop outside him. He runs into contact and makes no game. And what made it even... And what made it even worse, he didn't even straighten up to hold his defender. He still just popped as the defender could keep drifting. Drifting. It was just... Yeah, it, like we got five games until the first test. Like Gatland understands better than anybody that they need to start working on test match combinations asap. Um, the truth is, there's not going to be many more chances for players like Greg or Seymour or Hogg or let's not beat around you know Bush, Sexton, Ian mm. Henderson, mm. players like that to to really make any kind of impression. Joe Marler. They've, yeah, yeah. Time well, is, well, is run out very quickly. Alan Wynn, to be honest. Um, oh, fucking hell, he's bad man. I mean, he's back from injury, I mean, and you think about you got Cruis and Atoji in there, and yeah, I know that he I, loves Alan Wynn, and I know Alan Wynn's played in it all of the last six Lions tests and all that kind of stuff. But even so, no. It's well, I would say difficult. both him and Warburton. Like, okay, it was only his second game since the Six Nations, and he's clearly still rusty. 
and but and Warburton's first game in like two months or whatever. But God, they both looked like it. I like think Warburton looked better than people are giving him credit for. Actually, I think he looked and he got better. As he the was game secure in lots of rooks. On yeah, the quiet on his but own. Actually, I think he was kind of struggling with the. I think Angus Gardner's interpretations were a little bit unconventional, and that was actually. 2005 documentary that was on Sky the other night. Oh, God, which, yeah. That's... Which, uh, for the first time, I've never watched it, and why the fuck would I? And I've never watched dreadful. it. I watched it the night, it's I was like, five... oh my God, this it is like a joy vacuum. Oh, God. Literally, everything about it makes me. Not everything about like it I... summed up that tour, because it it's yeah, incredibly it was so... edited and managed in a traditional, structured yeah, documentary you can, you thing. You can literally feel. Alistair Campbell sat in the edit suite <laughs> going, don't no, put that in. No, don't put that no, in. yeah. You know, it's, yeah, but like in that, I, I noticed that they, they brought like a referee person with them on the 2005 tour. And he was basically like, oh, yeah, we were quite. I, the referee person, ironically, was like, well, we were quite surprised with how the New Zealand referees were interpreting the breakdown and players going in off their feet. And, but like, so what a, the fuck are you doing here again? That's what the fuck is you <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's it's true. Like they do in the southern hemisphere, they do interpret things a little bit differently, and particularly in New Zealand. And let's not be let's not beat around the bush. In all these warm up games, it's going to be Kiwi referees hmm. refereeing us and, and Kiwi team. They're going to be a hell of a lot more. Used and he was fairly consistent with both both sides. Yeah. That's just the he way was it was. He was fair. In. It was just a different. Inter- you know, mm. he ba- they basically give referees the you know they give attacking teams the freedom to do whatever the fuck they want as far as going in off their feet. You know, if you can secure ball, then you know mm. that's groovy. And what else did they, I learn? Yeah. What else did Continue. I learn? I learned that Ross Moriarty is bang up for it, oh, but God, with caveats. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody else has got to be fucking up for it with him, was my main cat. People said, oh, yeah, he got turned over all the time. Yeah, it's because no fucker was with him. It's really bad. It's like you've just been turned over. Yeah, that's because he busted the line and ran away from everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. He got exposed because he actually the carried the ball further than anybody else. That's the difficulty, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, that did irk the shit out of me because yeah, he knows like it's like he's the only one who's got the fucking memo with the lions. That yes, the only yeah, yeah. other way, the only way that you're going to get anywhere near the test team is to fucking play your bollocks off in the warm-ups and make yourself impossible to ignore. And yeah, basically everyone bar him and Falatau, and maybe Carl Sinclair as well did not take that under advisement at all, particularly the fringe players, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can't help if you don't play well, I suppose. Nobody's going to have a go at people for not trying. You know, they're all trying. No, just they're... absolutely. But there was but, something yeah. distinctive about Moriarty because he played the full game, I believe, didn't yeah. he? And he just didn't. He kept going. And he was and he was actually physically knocked a couple of times in the last 15 minutes. And I oh, thought, yeah, oh, no. Like and he actually, but he was up. And... There was and that brilliant like, moment when Reese Webb got into a tangle with that. Uh, barbarian forward yes. and Moriarty and what, jumped up off the side of the scrum yeah. and squared <laughs> and, 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 and Webb did the most brilliant three steps back movement as he came in yeah, like, Ross, <laughs> yeah, yeah Ross you deal with this mate so I think <laughs> just classic scrum half and classic Ross Moriarty I suppose yes I mean it's, it, there's something br- like joyful about how much of a fucking lunatic he is 
Yeah, he's, lovely. he's brilliant to watch. Yeah, he's absolutely. A horrible bastard. And nice hands. This is what I keep yeah, talking about. It's not just not... that. He's he's a good rugby player. Yeah. He's a good rugby he's quick. player. He's got a decent vision. He's got good hands. And, but you know, also, fighting. he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. And that is a wonderful mix for this tour, I think. It is. Anything else um, you learned? Uh, oh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, actually, one more thing. Even after a shit performance against a team of no marks that was completely fucking rubbish and pointless, there is still absolutely bloody nothing like the Lions, is there? Oh, like, I know. Yeah, that's the thing. We're all oh, you're all saying how God. crap it was, but we it was mo- still... We've moaned about it for the last yeah. half hour, but it's so <laughs> compelling, and I love it. I love how it's just unite. Like it's seeing people in Tesco's on Saturday just wearing Lions gear and like people in work who don't give a shit about rugby getting in. Yeah, I've had about four questions last week. I know. I just think they're going to get on. It's like like a a World Cup, but without the sort of parochial and national divisions that usually, you know, completely permeate, you know, the actual World Cup because we're supposedly all in it together. Power of four, hashtag. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I just I'd almost forgotten how great it is yeah, and it how is much wonderful. it captures the imagination. And I, uh, regardless of how shit the next six weeks go, and I expect it was going to be quite shit. Um, I'm going to. But I don't care if the, if the results are shit. I I've always said this: if it's a compelling rugby, and we yeah. lose all every game narrowly, it'll still be a brilliant, brilliant thing. Yeah, because really, you should get fucking battered every week. Like, you know, it shouldn't. The Lions should never go well. Especially in the professional age, you know. You got... No, there is no excuse for the Lions to do what they did in 2013 and win a tour. That should never have happened. You know, and when else do you get people fucking forming choirs and singing? Yeah, on rugby all that tours. Shit you know, some so people sniff great. at that, but it's great. It's absolutely yeah. great. And like, oh yeah, it's brilliant. And if Speak. I just, we'll never get anybody that's sniffy and shitty about it because it's pointless. Speaking. Of- Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. The things that are great. Uh, Warren Gatland. Did you mm-hmm. um, did you hear his response to being asked about his one-dimensional game plan? I didn't actually After, know. Well, listen to this, because I've got it here. <laughs> what I particularly like is when he asks oh, a question like, back to the journalist, and the journalist, you can't see the journalist, but like audibly shits himself in his voice <laughs> with his response. Well, listen to how he, he, he deals with this question. What do you mean by one final way? Physicality and directness. When did when did that when did that way start? You don't know the answer to that, do you? No, it's not, I'm not suggesting that's the case. Yeah. 
I kind of, I, I kind of look and go, you know, was it when we were successful at Wasps, or was it when I was coaching Waikato and won the, the New Zealand Cup, or was it? I don't know. When did when did a certain style change? If you can tell me the answer to that, I mean, answer the question when the when the time frame is appropriate, then I can potentially give you an answer. So, I mean, look, a few years ago, Brian Smith coined the phrase Warren Ball. I don't know that whether that was because he was jealous of that, how much success we had. I don't know, but uh, um, and we had a group of players who came through Wales at the time who ended up being you know, pretty big physical players. Um, and so, you know, the game of the modern game of rugby is about getting across the game line, trying to get front foot ball and and playing to playing to playing to space if that's possible. So, if you, if you can give me a when the, when things started to change, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that 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 was, that was, you can't answer that question, can you? Oh, well, I, well, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I yeah. love the little dig at Brian Smith as well. That was when Brian Smith would have been with England as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah well, it was 2008. <laughs> she was with England, so that was when they were. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Oh, that is great, though. Yeah. I love the fact that he remembers exactly who coined the term Warren Ball <laughs> yeah. without even having to be asked. It's I remember when Brian Smith called it that. I thought that he was jealous because we kept winning all the time. Ever since. <laughs> it's absolutely great, isn't it? God, I'm just amazed he didn't call it. And it's the way he kind of like passive aggressively brags about the success, isn't he? Yeah. Well, when did it change? Yeah. Was it when I was very successful at Wasp? So when I when I won things with Waikato, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> It's it. I mean, that did just turn into dicks on the table here, boys. And <laughs> yes. It, but I'm fine with that because you know it is a tedious question to ask. Some what the fuck do they expect him to say? Really? It's like yeah. he obviously doesn't think that his particular style of rugby is bad, or he wouldn't keep doing it. No, and he will just he go back to count the medals, won't he? It's kind of... Yeah, you know, he, yeah, he wouldn't... He doesn't think that Warren Ball, Gatlin Ball, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is a bad system for playing rugby because he's not a moron. <laughs> and he wouldn't... And even if he did, he wouldn't it, admit he it, would he? he Whether it works or not is a matter for a fucking debate. But to ask the man himself, Warren, why why is your game plan so one-dimensional and shit? Yeah. And are you looking forward get... to changing that? What? Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Anyway, well, yes, Ill it was more the, the, the journalist visibly shitting age. himself when uh, when it was when he got it. He got the death stare and a question back. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you know. It's, that's a... <laughs> yeah. So well, let's do a Sean Holly songs interlude, shall we? Before we oh, move on to that. the rest Who of the. Who doesn't enjoy one of those, eh? I got sent one from Andy, ANSA99UK on Twitter, and he said, on the Lions Legends theme, this one, Barbie wins a love, only the two of us together flying high, which I thought was great. I had an after dinner. Bobby Windsor did an after dinner thing at our club do one year. He was quite drunk and just kept making jogs about Charlie Faulkner all the time. I mean, I'd, be, I'd have been fine with that, to be honest. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good night. Um, Bruce McConaughey, uh, frequent contributor to Sean Holly songs, must be said. Um, I enjoyed, hate to say, 
I told you so. <laughs> Mark Parsons got in touch. He was obviously doing this thing where he's going through a number, the back catalogues of specific bands and throwing <laughs> a load of them at us. And he went on a bit of a Manic Street Preachers trip this week. Oh, I week. did like this. So we had loads all from Mark Parsons. Uh, so everything Masha know. Like it. Kevin Dan Carter. A little bit predictable. A little bit, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Sue Maestri, Sue Maestri came washing over me. This one I do okay, like. That was a stretch. That is this one I do like. If you Tolifu are this, then your Trinduke will be next. <laughs> I like it when people get two names. That is that one. is our favourite, isn't yeah. it? LaRue stole Saran from my heart. There we go again. Uh, <laughs> That's a class, yeah. A double. Ding double yes. points. Do sand for life. I Do liked his yeah. as well. And motorcycle Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> that is very good. The only pre uh, everything must go song that people like of the Manic Street Preachers who are not Manic Street Preachers fans. Yes. Everyone discover Manic Street Preachers on Everything Must Go, apart from motorcycle emptiness. Yes. And then lastly, he sent Manic Street Preachers Latriscrella Diara. Again, two, two. But you know, if you're going to go yeah. for two in one title, you're going to have to push the envelope, aren't you? Sure. I also liked um, from uh, continuing our Bond theme from last week, uh, Euro Jeff got in with PSBs who loved me. <laughs> and uh, no Holly does it better. No, no Holly does yeah. do it better. I think that's been demonstrated yeah. aptly. Thank you and very much. also got. Go on in one more. I also like, uh, sorry, another one from Euro Jeff. The Spectre song, as we discovered last week, was called The Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith. It and was. he suggested The Writings on the Waldrum. And, and what a lot of writing there would be on the Waldrum. Oh, good lot. An awful lot of it. Plenty of space, especially when he wears the white chain shirt. Mm. Yeah, so that's Sean Holly songs. Keep them coming in. We will keep reading them out. They do keep yes. coming in. I thought we'd have run they out by keep... now, but they do keep yeah, coming in. Keep them coming. We will literally flog this horse until there is barely a shred of gristle left on it. So, you know. The cat is joining in, ladies and gentlemen. The cat is joining in. Oh, the I'm most sense that's been smoken in the entire pod so far has come from the cat. Well, yeah, he's shit at Sean Hotley's song. So, so. <laughs> uh, right then, shall we do You Dirty Get or should we do some previews? We should probably do You Dirty Get, I think, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my cat's just jumped on the table now. It's like yes, he has. James Haskell was right. We're just surrounded by cats. We are, we are a double cat podcast this evening. In fairness, <laughs> yours is a lot quieter than mine. So. Uh, right. So, uh, you do get, as I said earlier, we can't. The obvious topical one would have been to do the um, Brian O'Driscoll from the Lions in 2005, but we've already done it, so we're not going to do it yeah. again. Although, I think uh, while we're on it, mm. the gentleman. Um, why can't I remember the name of the legendary New Zealand centre who did it? Uh, I keep thinking to Alangi and that's wrong. Uh, oh, God, now you said oh, that. No, we don't, no, I was going to remember well. who did it. It was oh, Bialamu, and it was the other one. Oh, oh, he was captain of the All Blood. Yes, he was. Oh, I could see his see head and everything. Tarumanga, fuck. Manga, thank you. So oh, my word, that oh, was awful. God. That was... Oh, that was stressful. So anyway, Umanga's been asked about it again today, and he basically said, look, it was 12 years ago. If some people aren't going to forget about it, then they're never going to, are they? Let's move on. And I have got some sympathy with his position on this. True. Because However, there's plenty of shitty things have happened in rugby, and to be asked about it constantly, 12 years on, you would be like, look, really? Yeah. 
Although I would also ask, have New Zealand stopped moaning about Wayne Barnes in the 2007 World Cup semi-final yet? Yeah, but that's what aboutery, Josh, isn't it? What about, yes, it is what aboutery. Quite literally, what about that? <laughs> <laughs> and if I was yeah. him, I would probably take the same position. So anyway, we're not doing that. So what we thought we'd no. do instead, and the reason why I had Tualangi there, because we're going to do Manu Tualangi punches Chris Ashton. Because who doesn't want to listen, want to chat oh. about that? enjoy that at the time and I still enjoy it now. Now you've probably all seen this I imagine but if you haven't let me paint you a picture because lots of people I think have seen the punch but they've not seen Mm. everything that leads up to it it's Leicester versus Northampton in the semi-final of the Premiership in May 2011 Uh, Ashton is running a dummy run line he is Tualangi comes across and let's not beat around the bush Executes a WWE style flying clothes line. <laughs> oh, he takes in the fuck out. He really across does. Chris Ashton, who doesn't even have the ball because he's running a dummy run line. No, yeah. And it's waxing across the cheap shot shit isn't it? Yeah. So Manu ends up on the floor because obviously he's done a flying clothes line. So he's landed on the floor. Uh, Ashton takes exception to the flying clothes line, like the unreasonable get that he is, you know. Yeah, what a bastard. Turns around and actually what can best be described as jostles Manu while he's on the floor. Basically yeah, shoves him in the back. Shove in the back. Manu gets up down. and executes three punches <laughs> on Ashton, the third of he which... certainly does. The third of which is the swinging right hand that lands flush on Ashton's temple. Yeah, no, it's a... If it was a boxing match, I think we can all agree that Tuilagi wins this on points by <laughs> some distance. Like one thing that I was wondering, I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't be bothered to look this up. So, uh, yay me for preparation. But was this after Ashton grabbed Alasana's dreads and got banned for it? I'm guessing it probably was. I think it must have been. It was the last season that Ashton was at Northampton. Yeah, it probably would have been. So I I do wonder if Manu was basically just saying, I'm well, basically going headhunting. I think Manu was a bit like that back then. He was only twenty, remember? He was quite old yeah, then. But um, he was a, a slightly eccentrically fused young man at that point. To be polite about it, if you watch the video after the punch, there's a, there's a, there's a wonderful shot of of Ashton's bloodied head being cuddled to Dylan Hartley's bosom. And he's almost like cutching him, you know, oh, come in a cutch, Chris. You ignore them, mates. Don't you mind them. <laughs> that sort of thing. And in Ashton's defence, he didn't go down when he was no, hit. That's one of the biggest play. surprises. If I had been punched three times in the face by Manny Tuilagi, I would be on the floor in a ball. I am no boxer. So... I'm not I'm one of those people who I'm I'm one of the sorry, I'm one of the rare men who likes sport and occasionally watches boxing, who's happy to admit I know nothing about boxing. Oh, yeah, me too. There's loads 100%. of people who don't watch boxing, and then a the pay-per-view comes on, and everyone becomes a fucking expert on boxing, don't they? I'm not one of those people. I'm happy to say I don't really know who's going to no, win this because I don't know enough about it. I enjoy watching it, but I don't know enough. Um, but I'm no, so I don't know much about boxing. However, looking at that, the technique of the punches did seem to be quite shocking. Yeah, it wasn't... His head was kind of turned away and his shoulder was through before his fist was. And actually, I think Aston should be thankful for that because the power of the guy, if one of them had caught him oh, full he's taking his fucking head it off. It would have been he? a lot... And, and oh, In all seriousness, it could have been a hell of a lot worse than it was. Yeah, yeah, no, he could have knocked him the fuck out. Let's not be around the bush. It's always fun when you see um, rugby players who clearly have done a bit of boxing in their day square up to someone because it is a much more entertaining fight then. All this open hand punch bollocks. To go to, to switch codes for a second, there's a brilliant, brilliant 
clip from back in the early 2000s. Leeds Rhinos were playing against, I can't remember, but the coach, he's now a coach, Brian McDermott, who mm. was a prop for Leeds, who was also a boxer and an ex-Marine. So, you, you know, on the hardness scale, you want no part of it, do you? And basically, yeah. he hit somebody and floored them in a match and three other people ran or two other people ran towards him and he basically mm. just stood back and with perfectly measured punches floored the other <laughs> two that were moving towards him and then just turned around and walked off because obviously he knew what was coming but he basically decked one but it was it was, it was that wonderful lack of haymaker he just spun around and went bop bop yeah right i'm going the straight, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no great winder no no the, it was just all very compact of... and that was it's all over <laughs> yeah so yeah as you say you see a lot of this and thankfully for, for ashton that wasn't that this time but really that was kind of shocking and borderline funny because it was ashton but what happened next is the real shocker in that the line, Wayne Barnes went to the linesman and said, right, what's happened there? And he said, oh, they've both thrown punches. You need to get yellow card on both. Yeah, I thought that was really harsh. It's like, Bastion realistically did fuck all there. <laughs> no, he just shoved somebody get, after getting yeah. windpiped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and, and, and then stood there while Manu Nagy punched him in the face three times without retaliating, which, you know. Yeah, and, and, what, and to, as if to demonstrate the lack of how uneven a contest it was when the ref said right can I have a word with you both Manu can walk it over and Ashton couldn't come over because he was having his head bandaged up at the time by a doctor <laughs> <laughs> so basically the Manu come over yellow card off and they would say like Chris he was like I'm getting bandaged up so he had to like walk over with his new bandage on and then get yellow carded so yeah so Tuolangi did at least one red card offence, if not two, with the flying yes. off the ball yeah. windpipe, which in is one of the... age, that would be a, a, a duo of reds, I think. And Ashton basically yeah, shoved him a bit and then yeah. used his not face as... A, yeah. And then yeah. used his not face as a... a yellow card. And then used his face as a punch receptacle and then got, yeah. and then got carded himself. Realistically, the shove is not even a penalty. No, not really. Like it, And yet he got yellowed for it. And did Tuolangi get banned? Five weeks. What happened next to Alangi was banned for five weeks. Seems a little bit lenient. I think it's because he was young and previous decent character and all that. And um, and this and and for Leicester fans that raised a realistic, horrific possibility that Dan Hipkiss was going to replace him in the team for the final that week, but it didn't actually happen. They lost to Saracens in the final, Leicester. They year. did. Yes, I remember that. And uh, and obviously Ashton went, went on first Sar- ever title. I think Probably it was. was it was. It? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Borthwick holding the cup aloft. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That was your dirty get, Chris Ashton. I said, as I say, a lot of people have seen the punch, but when you look at the whole totality of it, yeah, it was really a bad day for Chris Ashton. Really, yeah, he's, he's done plenty in his time, but that was him. Yeah, he's not always the um, antagonist in these particular things, is he? No, and a lot of people were very. There was a lot of apologists for Manu after that, if I remember. I remember writing a piece on the blog, which I probably would, should have looked at before this, going mad saying. <laughs> He's a twenty-year-old man. He's not four. Yeah, you know I, 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 the sort of the juvenileizing of professional sportsmen infuriates me because yeah, if you're over eighteen, then you are accountable for your actions. Yes, I don't care how young you are. Same on. So there you go. So that was your dirty get. Thank you very much. Um, any suggestions you want us to cover some famous mm, acts always, of foul play? Then please welcome. let us know. We do do this occasionally. That is, I think, number ten that we've covered. Um, now then, shall we talk about uh, some previews of the games to come? 
Yes. Specifically the game good? on Wednesday. Yeah. Or do you want to do shit good? Or do we yeah, let's just do previews, shall we? Actually, and then good. finish on shit we'll finish good. Finish on shit good, yeah. Yeah. So previews wise, obviously the big one is Wednesday morning. Indeed. Which is the Lions um, versus the Auckland Blues. Should be realistic of the games that they've got left, should be the most winnable one. Yes, because the Blues don't seem to be able to win. However, no. the Blues However, are in the New Zealand conference and would probably win if they're in other conferences. That's the that's the yeah, big well, caveat, the, isn't it? The Blues still haven't lost to any non New Zealand team this year. They're just the worst of the. And New I suppose Zealand. the question is, will that happen on Wednesday? Well, that, I mean, there's going to need to be a drastic improvement over what we saw, and I'm not entirely sure Dan Bigger at ten is really the answer for that. Yeah, so we have but, a look um, at the team actually while we're talking yes. about this. I think the interesting thing is, is that there are probably how many people do you think out of this team would realistically make the test team? Lee Halfpenny, um, probably. Ken Owens. If I go, let's go through the names and you say yes or no. Yeah. Halfpenny, yeah. yes. Noel. Maybe. I think yes, actually. I think he's probably. Yeah. Jared Payne. No. No. Robbie Henshaw, yes. Yes. But again, his form's not been great, has it? But Elliot Daly on the wing. I think he'll be no. on the bench. I think you fancy Liam I, Williams more than that. Yeah. I think you fancy George North more than that. True. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, the Dan Bigger, no. No. Reese Webb. I think we've all said it's him and Murray's a toss-up, isn't it? But I think he's going to go with Murray. Yes, I, I think he'll go with Murray, but it does depend because he wasn't very... He's got injury issues. That's... Jack McGrath. Mm, maybe. Well, Probably the way Marler played. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. no, Mako's going to start the test, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. I suppose it's who's going to play on the bench. Anyway, so you maybe not. Owens will do. Yeah. Dan Cole, no. Itoji, yes. I think we all think... Maritori's going to start but, a test, don't we? Yeah, probably. See, let's see how he goes. I'm Laws. Still, there's so much quality at lock. Same with Laws, you know. Yeah. I think it's kind of wide open now, except for Cruis, who looked very good. Haskell, Tipperick, Stander. <laughs> well, I mean, Haskell's starting, obviously. Oh, he'll be, he'll be nailed yes. off for the test, won't he? Just because yeah. this is I mean, what the universe thinks of me. Can we take, can we take a moment to, as all non-Lee people listening <laughs> and taking part in this podcast to say a few words for Lee on, on Wednesday morning uh, when he has to accept the reality that James Haskell is British and Irish. Do you know Ryan. what? You know what? I would rather have him playing in these midweek games because then you don't have to do the here's him doing a video from the touchline two minutes before kickoff on the official <laughs> Lions channel. Honestly, at least he's quiet on the pitch, isn't he? He just... Mm. <laughs> This is true. He just gets on with it. Yeah. So, um, interestingly, yeah, he's playing really. six. So the idea of him ever being a seven is has been put to bed. I think. Oh, Sam's so. not a moron. He's not going to go anywhere near <laughs> that. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So I don't want to spend too much time on Haskell because we've done that already. But uh, the yes, yeah. well, I have uh, many, yeah. many times over. I don't so. see any of Haskell, Tipperick, or Stander starting necessarily now. Um, well, Stander could. It depends if he sees him as a six or an eight, really. So what will be interesting for me is seeing how the likes of Noel and Halfpenny in particular will work together as part of the back three. Yes. How Henshaw's form has been pretty awful, been horrible. He's been he's kind of well like Leinster have been, mm. and I he's think not as great as he. No, but has. I think the genuine interesting thing is see how he goes on Wednesday against what will be Sonny Bill, Sonny Bill Williams, won't it? Yeah, so that's a hell of a way to play himself back into and form, isn't it? Realistically, Ben Teo was pretty good on. Yeah, we've not mentioned that, that much because it's probably going to come up in good, but he was, good, but, yeah, um, he's very, he was, he was outstanding. Yeah. 
the offloading um, game, that 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 little step he puts in his run with the yeah. power and stuff. Basically, everything that Gatland wants in a twelve was him. <laughs> yes. it's, up, it's up to Henshaw to prove that he can do that better. I think now. Yeah, you're right, actually. So yeah, that's that's a little sort of mini battle that's going on here. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the Blues have put their squad out, but not their team, haven't mm. they? Which I guess is which has eight All Blacks in it. I guess they're probably waiting for confirmation that they're allowed to use the All Blacks that they want to use because I know that they said, oh, we'll release All Blacks to you, but I'm pretty sure that the New Zealand Rugby Union is not really going to be risking too many certain test starters Mm. in these warm-up games. You know, they might let some of the fringe or bench players go, but yeah, I just... mm. Well, on the face of it, that is... If you look at the back line outside the 10, including bigger, actually, that's a really, really good defensive back line. Mm-hmm. You know, the people you're going to put out against Box the Blues, solid. that will that's you can't ask for much more than that, really. I know Daly got turned a couple of times in some Wasps games, but when he's played wing for England, and if you're going to go off that, he's been outstanding. Solid. And Noel's yeah. defence is just out of this it's world. Faultless, yeah. Henshaw will do a great job. Yeah, Payne's as solid Payne's as they come. Absolutely, half penny's solid. positioning, all of that kind of stuff. The fact you got half yeah. penny and bigger on the field. To go back to the point where what didn't happen against the Barbarians, it should happen a little bit more. You'd hope so. You would hope yeah. so. They get a bit more decent kicking, and it's just and without Laidlaw, I don't want to label her on that, but that hopefully with Webb there, we'll just get a bit more pace on the ball. It was notable with when Webb came on that all of a sudden there was a bit more zip and a bit more directness about their play mm. because they were just getting the ball away quicker. And it sounds fucking simple, but it... Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, you can talk all the shit you want about patterns fucking and fucking game. wolf packs and all that stuff. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's still about getting the ball quickly and knowing what to do with doing the correct yeah. thing with it quickly. That's really what it what it's all yeah. about. Um Beyond that, um, I think it, they are going to have to absorb something of this New Zealand style again from the Blues, and they are going to have to try oh, and. In many uh, ways, it's quite you know, it's quite good from a a Lions perspective because you know all these you know the New Zealand style is the New Zealand style, and particularly hmm. in the last four or five years, they have really got that sort of you know, the All Blacks play their way, which is broadly similar to the way the super rugby teams play which is broadly the similar to the way that the npc teams play the philosophy and the fundamentals are all very similar so by the time they play the all blacks in three weeks time or whatever it is you know however many fucking games they've won or lost this lions team will have a very good idea of what's coming it'll be of a higher standard obviously mm. but they will know they will be very familiar with playing against a team that plays the way the All Blacks play. You know, because they will have played like seven or eight games against it, however many warm-up games it is, I don't even know. But, yeah, and and this is, you know, the first step. The Barbarians game was kind of a weird one because they were just chucking it around like nobody's business. The Blues want to win. They will want to win and they don't give a fuck how they do it. And the Crusaders are exactly the same, you know, but more so. I suppose um, that brings the next question up as well. Does it matter if the Lions win or not? Or does it more matter that you can see something's coming together? 
it matters to the fans, and it certainly and it matters to the players. To the it's, it's probably the wrong question to ask, I suppose. Is it? Oh, is it? Ma- is it? Is it? Is it the most important thing? I suppose. Yeah, well, Gatland has has gone on record, you know, and just said it in 2013, and no doubt feels exactly the same today. He would happily lose every fucking one of those All Blacks uh, warm-up games if they can win a Test match. Yeah. If you learn something from it, and it builds you towards winning the Test matches. Then, then it's fine. Yeah, and it? that's what that's how he, you know, the days of touring teams winning every game you know on tour Hmm. are probably over because the fact of the matter is that the gap between test level and club level super rugby level whatever is nowhere near as wide as it used to be and you know it's still a step up to test level i think but the gap is fucking small now yes and the fact of the matter is that you can't expect a scratch team to play against, you know, a load of quality teams, you know, particularly this is the hardest, I, hand up, I think this is the hardest tour that the Lions have played in the professional era. Possibly ever. Yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with that. I can't you know, say ever, I don't know about it, but certainly since 97, yeah, I can't think of a yeah, tour at all. certainly in my memory of Lions tests, they've never, you know, they're playing all of the super rugby teams. That's not usually what the Lions do. The Lions usually play fucking provincial teams. You know, they usually win 50-60 fucking nil. You know, they certainly never usually play against teams that have got internationals in them in midweek. You know, mm. for whether it's for money or whether it's for the fact that Gatland wanted it this way, this is the hardest prep that the Lions have ever had for a test series. And part of me thinks that he wants that because he wants them to be going in properly fucking battle-tested that test series because he knows that that's the only way that they're ever going to have a fucking cats in hell's chance yeah but yeah it's it's you know you look at the teams that they're playing so even compared to australia a couple of years ago you know they played the super rugby teams then but they were super rugby teams that were broadly made up of kids and team players that weren't in any way involved with the wallabies and the one team that did kind of have a lot of players from Super from their usual squad and from the internationals in there was the Brumbies and they lost. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's true. because that's that's what it should be like. You know, the Lions are a relic and from an era where rugby was a hell of a lot less organised. And yeah, they shouldn't win any games really, except against you know proper fucking dross because organisation usually beats out quality and individual brilliance, as Saracens have gone about proving over the last couple of years, you know, mm. your shape and your system beats, you know, you, individual yeah. brilliance and sparkling talent and all this sort of stuff. The um, I'm looking forward to seeing Peter O'Mahony for the first time because he's bouncing yes. off the bench at some point. I imagine yeah. Ian Henderson is, is licking his lips at the chance of possibly showing that he's not a great big... Uh, part of rubbish yes, like he, because he's not so. he was particularly yeah. bad on saturday but you know, that could happen to anybody but, um, but yeah you could um yeah i think the blues gonna be uh you know it'll be a tough game it's by far the most winnable game that they've got left i think except for maybe the maori depending on what sort of team they put out but yeah on pure yeah. form alone yeah this yeah. is the one they should be and and i suppose that yeah i don't believe in momentum but i do believe in momentum of your game plan starting to work. Yeah, I believe in that. I don't believe in results. Familiarity momentum, but, with one yeah. another. And yeah. But and then, you know, three days later they've got probably the hardest test that they're gonna have 
on tour for the, the test, test match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is the Crusaders who haven't lost a game in Super Rugby this season. So it's all um, to look forward to. Yeah. Has he I just mean, come so quickly? That's what you can't... That's what it really, really... Relent, you know, it really from getting... hits you in the face that, oh, shit, there's like 48 hours. And you start thinking, well, when are they going to name the team? Because the game's only just finished, you know? And yeah. normally Gatlin would have had his team out 24 hours before the game that he's not naming the team for. He normally names his team on Tuesday for the game on Saturday. Yeah. And now he's actually got a game Wednesday before that. So it's just... It's... It's it, it's the sort of thing when you when you're in it again, and as, as it, you sort of realise how, particularly this time, how fucking mental the schedule is, mm. and how, you know, if this is the last Lions tour that is like this, it's kind of understandable why, because it's a bit fucking mad, and it'll be a shame if it, they don't have longer tours in the future because it's kind of a great little thing that we just have six weeks of Lions and it's brilliant, but from a player burnout point of view you can sort of think yeah this is a bit silly really isn't it a game every three days that's a bit much so in terms of oh just while we're on this in, in terms of predictions uh i have set up a super brew prediction league yes for the lines if you if you're on super brew go and have a look and look for the blood and mud league and we've got a prediction league one from one one from one, yeah. I predicted we'd win at the weekend. I said 25 points. I'm obviously not within. Somebody actually predicted a win by 80 points, which I think was wishful thinking in, yes, that, from, from no, every... No, like nobody's business about Barnes on Saturday when he was like expecting them to win by 60 points, he said. And it was like, really? They've just got off a plane, mate. Give and I did break. a thing on the, on, the, on the blog last Friday to say, here's you know, a reminder of all the previous ones. And apart from um, when they played Western Australia in 2001 and won by 120 points. Every hmm. single opening game, really, has had its problems. Yeah. When they played Bay of Plenty in 05, it was tough. The Royal Kings yeah. in 09 was, was tough. The you first know. half was dreadful. They basically yeah. needed the cavalry of Lee Byrne and Mike Phillips to come on and steady the ship as they were... Amusingly, Andy Powell was basically at half time was like, "This is Rust like Rusterberg in two thousand five, two thousand nine, yeah." And yeah, it's yeah they've of course the first game never goes well. That's fucking obvious. But what's funny is that obviously in people's psyche, that's not what people think. They expect no. that it's going to go. I mean, you expect to win it, but you don't. You know, lots of people sort of saying it's going to be dead comfortable and all this. When actually nothing from ninety seven onwards suggests that's going to be the Everything, case. Yeah. Of course you're not going to have an easy first game with a bunch of players playing their first ever game together. Yeah. None of whom have ever played together before. You know, that's just... Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. So, prediction... Mm. So, join the Super Rugby League, make a prediction. I'm sure we can dig out... We'll, we'll, there'll be a prize at the end. We'll find one from somewhere. Um, if you want to join in. And anyway, it's just a bit of fun. Uh, yeah. The prediction-wise, what do we think? I'm finding this increasingly hard because I don't want to seem... Because like you don't want to say... <laughs> Yes. Super negative, but uh, yeah. I get a feeling we're probably going to lose both of these games. I, I actually think there's a chance the Lions might get better and win some games later on in the tour, but I think they're going to lose at least one, if not both of these games. I think they may sneak a win on Wednesday because I think that they will be a bit more sensible about kicking for points when they can. I hope so. And they'll get them because Lee Halfpenny's playing. Because Sexton mm -hmm. missed a blinder, didn't he? Um, no, uh, sorry, Farrell did, and um, and I think they'll 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 have just enough, and with the defensive backline, I think they'll have just enough to to do it. But I think Saturday's going to be a problem. I think Saturday's yeah. going to be a problem. I, I can see Saturday being a twelve point job loss. Yeah, I mean. 
yeah, I think they're, they're going to quite comfortably lose against the Crusaders. Because also you've got to think about what team no are they going to put out. Yet. Will they put something that looks like the test team out on Saturday? We don't know at the minute, do we? No. If I mean, you can you can make a guess like... on who's not playing now, I suppose. Yeah. But If they put something that looks like the test team out, it could be closer than like 10, 12 points. It might be a narrow loss. But I just think, you know, these are teams that are incredibly familiar with one another. They're incredibly fired up. They got all blacks and internationals in their ranks, and we've been together for three weeks. Yes. Our squad didn't turn up until last fucking Monday, and then they got straight on a plane. You know that they're whatever happens with this Lions team. We're three or four weeks away from seeing them look anywhere near comfortable with one another. I'd say, and yeah, it's. It's going to be a rough old time yeah. until as then, my think, um, but... As my parting shot where I said I'm glad that Haskell's in the team because it means that he won't do videos before the kickoff. I've also then suddenly realised, of course, having said that, there's zero guarantee that that won't fucking happen anyway. Of oh, yeah. course, he could he could be stood in the centre circle doing a video. Literally probably. have his phone, phone pried <laughs> out of his hands by the referee. Neil will come running on. Skin. Yeah, and put it into the phone bucket yeah. along with his uh, with you the kicking tees after class. <laughs> yeah. Right then, should we do the shit good ratings? Yes, so we've covered a lot of it, I guess. We have. But, uh, should we start with good? On, yes. Uh, just, I want to mention in good a gentleman called Kevin Mort. Have you seen this? Uh, no, I don't know if I Kevin have. Mort, maybe I have. Give, this, Kevin Mort, this Kevin Mort. This is his Twitter bio: life-loving Christian, historian, Green Finch accountant, tenor, melodianist, witness RLFC, Tranmere Rovers, Speedway, Rugby Union, Bowls, Winter Sports, Opera and Ballet. That is his bio on Twitter. That that's is, some polymathic uh, stuff some, going on there. That's some varied interests right Anyway, there. he... Um, there's a gentleman who's... There's an American gentleman who's basically put a picture of a NASCAR race on, who's a right-wing person, saying, mm. there's never been a terrorist attack in a NASCAR race. NASCAR fans are all armed. Draw your own conclusions, was what he said. Uh. To which Kevin <laughs> responded... Uh, there's never been a terrorist attack at a witness rugby league match either. We're all armed with pies. Draw your own conclusions. And what I love about it is, is that Kevin, with his obviously quite specialist bio there, had about 200 followers. He's now got about 2,000 followers since he did that. Of course he has. So yes. that's good for me five, is Kevin. Five, Thank five you, Kevin. retweets. That's that's one, it is, yeah. Good for him. What have you got that's good? Uh, I've got no, I haven't got anything exciting from Twitter. Um, to, to, uh, Tulupa, I'm going came over all Stuart. Oh, Farms, yeah, Tubalupa Labber, Simpacato. How good, though. Oh, ridiculous. Like, really? Like, obviously, there was the tackle, which yes, is absurd. But I just love the fact that he was really getting involved in the wide channels like he does for Bath. And was doing wonderful like, lots of uh, hitch-kicking in Flamingo Steps. Yes. <laughs> it was just like, he loves playing in New Zealand, obviously, because he did it, he was like this yes. when he played for Blacks last year, but he was just like, it was irrepressible Falatau at his best, and it was a very exciting, fun thing to watch. As a I lot of people pointed out it. on Twitter to me at the time, that f- given the way they were playing, uh, Falatau has gone into high-level, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Yeah, I'll do everything. I'll myself. just do everything. I'll do the carrying. I'll play as winger. I'll do the cover yeah. defense. I'll do everything. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was great. In terms of other things that are good, Bryn Gatland. Yeah, 
that was the most I'm going to show you, Dad, display <laughs> I think I've ever but seen. But ironically, he looks far too enterprising to ever be selected by his own dad. <laughs> I mean, he was just clearly relentlessly driven to get one, you know, the finally get one over on his old man thing. Uh, but yeah. he was superb. I he fucking was... hate Sam Warburton. I'll show yeah. you, Dad. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he did get a bit lucky at times because pretty much every like low percentage bounce of the ball thing that he tried <laughs> just did, came yeah. off. Um, but he, I mean, he clearly got a better sexton, and I mean, yeah. not that that would have been very that, hard yeah. on Saturday. A pile but, of wood yeah. would get better yeah. sexton at the minute, I think. Bless him. No, yeah. But yeah, he's uh, he looks he looked quite he's what twenty one, quite a talented lad. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's got he's got the minerals, hasn't he? Yeah, he and. He do, but he sort of does look like his dad in that he's very square, but he's quite quick and skillful, and it doesn't really add up. Also looks a little bit like Di Pickering. Just yeah, saying. a little bit. Just yeah. saying. You know, have you ever been over for a visit a few years back? <laughs> Just saying. So um, the um, other good, on Twitter, Alex Conan got in touch on Twitter and said, Angus Gardner, the referee, for not referring the TMO every time the lines were held up over the line. Good to see a ref back in his decisions. It, it was genuinely unusual to see that many held up tries that at least not one of them referred. But he obviously went, no, I'm happy. It was it was weird and, yeah, was moderately suspicious. <laughs> yeah, way. that's the way you can look at it. Is it somebody oh, back in their own decision or somebody saying, no, sorry, mate, I'm going to yeah, give them my prayers? No, no, actually, I wouldn't suggest that he's... Uh, Corrupt. That's not on. But oh I just... God, no, not at all. But it just like he didn't really want to. He just wanted to get on with the. He wanted to play it like a barbarians game, didn't he? You know. Yeah. Let's just get on with it. And no, well, it's not I did a try. love his um, knee slide in for the Falatau tackles <laughs> yes. uh, thing, where he just obviously lost his footing, but then just knee slid completely. In completely styled it out, top man. Yeah, it was top notch styling out. Hats off to him. Uh, and what else have we got? That's good. Alison uh, McCormick said, uh, "Good was that Scotland under twenty try? If you've not seen oh, it, it's all over Twitter. It's easy to find. Like it's, it's an absolute beauty from their own twenty-two, from their own line, virtually." Yeah, um, Teo, we've talked about Ross yes. Moriarty. I guess we've talked about um, good Claremont winning their second ever top fourteen. I guess Eduardo Alvarez uh, on Twitter also flashed that one yes. up as well. Yeah. And a number well, of others. Yeah. It's, it's, they deserved something for the quality of rugby that they play. And the quality That's of their fans. They, yeah. they are fans that deserve something. I'm not saying that doesn't mean other people don't. I'm just saying their fans in no, particular do. No, but my do. God, long-suffering. But... Especially that woman who was crying at the end of the European Cup. Yes. It's, it's, it's very interesting that they're so good all the time. And yet they bottle it so much. Para played brilliantly. And, Maybe that's yeah. what the key is. Just get Para playing well. Is. That's the answer to everything. Although I did, it did knock me that in the final Sky talked about Claremont having like an incredible academy system. Hmm. That academy is in Fiji. <laughs> is it really? I think so. Is yeah. That, are and, you are you joshing with me literally? But no, it's it's you know the. Their production line, like a lot of production lines in France, is basically now just taking a load of Pacific Island talent. And, you know, fair play. They, they're entitled to go overseas and make loads of money, and fucking good luck to them. But um, it does feel a little bit weird, that. Andy and Brum also mentioned the referee knee slide that was good. 
Oh, it was a great knee slide, though. Sean Flynn got in touch on Twitter and said, in a game full of stunning tries, the cracking 60-metre try from Sokopi Kepu in the Waratah game. Oh, that was a beast. On the flip side of that, just to add to that, James Lowe, who's the number 11 winger for the Chiefs. Oh, he had a fucking nightmare in that. That was a very, very seriously embarrassing situation where he basically got outgassed by Kepu. yeah. I mean, he scored Every, three tries the... in that game, the, the winger. So I suppose he, he will say, you know, yeah, I've got I mean, quite a bit in the bank there. But... Basically, have been creaming themselves over the prospect of James Lowe coming over to the next year, which he is. And he's a fucking brilliant player, and they should be. But that was a low light, to say the least. I mean, no, uh, Damien, I thought Damien McKenzie. Uh, he did his did best, exactly. didn't he? He did his best, but he didn't cover himself. <laughs> he didn't know. That was Javier, Javier Garbajosa versus Lomu uh, tackling standards, <laughs> that was. was a little bit, wasn't it? It's was like, I don't I really want to do it, but here. I'll kind of put myself in there as best I can. But I'm not going to fly in Lehigh <laughs> no Penny chance. and sacrifice my body kind of way. There's no chop I'm tackle gonna... coming here, mate. I'm just gonna... Yeah, I'm just going to sort of bounce off you. And then, <laughs> and then keep grasping like across your large chest and not actually doing anything about it. <laughs> But yeah, incredible gas from Gepu. Yeah, um, glorious stuff. Genuinely incredible. And I actually kept looking left and right as if he couldn't believe he was still going towards the line, yes. that surely this must end at some point. But it, And it did with a try. Well done. So, and he actually even did a lovely kind of double, it wasn't a double move, a momentum movement to reach out to score at the end as well. It was a yeah, cracking finish. Was, Genuinely great everything finish. everything so well. And... Yeah, I, I don't think he's ever allowed back in the front row union after that. No, Surely not. Disgraceful. Him and John Welsh yeah. banned forever. Ugh, disgusting. Uh, right, yeah. So anything else is very quickly good that I've got here from Twitter. Uh, Jamie mm. Phillips. Mitch Hunt's 45-metre drop goal. Oh, I saw that as well. That is an absolute screamer. For the uh, Crusaders. And that means that we must do, as we always do, the uh, drop goal klaxon. Oh, no, I won't because it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> No, it is working. There we go. Yeah, go the drop goal klaxon. Yeah, so uh, 45 metres, 22 apiece at the end, clock running down, and he launched a 45-metre drop goal from left of the Throw post. From well, left yeah. of the post, yeah. Hell of yeah. a kick. And the commentator, as Rob Oran pointed out, the commentator said he's celebrating like he's just got the ring back to Mordor, the little hobbit. <laughs> that is Which like is really reaching out there, isn't it? That so is brilliant. Like that's contrived comedy uh, commentary of the highest level. What do you what What's your opinion on the Barbarians tweet commentary man? Um, Everyone loves I, him, don't they? I'm assuming it's a him. It could be a lady. That's terrible. The person who does yeah. it. Um, I enjoy it, but at the same time, I'm starting to tire of the shtick a little bit. He must. Having somebody who does tweet and has done live commentary, you must have a lot of this stuff written down before the game oh, starts. Oh, God, yes. He, nobody is... Yeah, he very well may be that quick-witted, but there's very few people I've come across who are. very few people on planet Earth who are as quick-witted as that all the time. It's and can get obviously... the semicolon in the right place as well. So I'm just yeah, not having it's it. It's all obviously pre-written. Yeah, but, but it's still good. It is, it is ve- still good. It's but very funny. It's knowing when to times. use it, I think. Yeah, I think it's it was very funny when I first saw it, and now it's getting a little bit. <laughs> All right, we know the shtick now. Guys. Too much of a good thing. Yes, like anything else, it's you know moderation it's very required funny the first time. But yeah, moderation. Any more? We're going on forever. Any more gush from you? Yeah, I think we should go on the shit. Let's go on to really? shit. First shit. The independent calling Anthony Watson, Anthony Joshua. Oh my god, that was terrible. <laughs> Which is right up there with the BBC having pictures of Aisley Harriet instead of Lenny Henry. 
<laughs> it is on that level, isn't it? I mean, and how also... wrong can you be? It's not even the same sport. Yes, and also Ladbrokes um, referring to Richard Cockrell as Martin Cockrell, which I enjoy. Who, who's well. he? At least Anthony exactly. Joshua is a person. Martin who's is, Martin that's just, Cockrell? That's just Ladbrokes have never fucking heard of rugby before, <laughs> but they're pretending to care because the lad off the football the... desk has had to do rugby for an hour and look what's happened. Yeah, so that yeah. was particularly. I mean, we laugh, bad but it's weekend. not really it's funny, bad is weekend it? Weekend for people getting people's fucking names right, one <laughs> yes, way or another. Indeed. You had Gregor Laidlaw and Anthony Joshua all turning out for the. Um... Yeah, and Martin Cockerell. This goes out to. Does anyone know anyone who's called Gregor Laidlaw? By the way, there must be somebody <laughs> in Scotland who is called that. It must be worth looking up. But uh, because uh, maybe maybe Stuart Barnes knows him. Maybe he's a close personal friend. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Tell you what else was shit for me. The fucking fan van with Scott Quinnell. You, did you see? Uh, you wouldn't have seen this because you didn't get up until thirty-two minutes no, before kickoff. I'm aware of it. Well, yeah, it's you know hashtag Bants in a van. Jovial Scott Quinnell jovially chats with jovial fans featuring jovial camera angles in a jovial van. I I enjoy enforced joviality reality TV. I I like. I think that Scott he's actually. Quinnell's actually a tidy pundit and analyst when he wants to be. Yes. However, far too often he is basically. I just I it, it irks me a little bit that he's basically Sky Sports comic relief. Yeah, he's Sky Sports go-to clown, isn't he? When he's not. Yeah, and actually. the primarily reason for that appears to be that he is Welsh. He has a funny sing-song voice that people like. He's got like. a funny accent, <laughs> so let's make him the funny one. And that does slightly great. Because when you watch him on back in his playing days, and also when you watch him on the School of Hard Knocks things, mm. he's a fucking incredibly intense individual. And it's, yeah, it doesn't like, a, you know, he's a nice man. And he obviously, you know, yeah, he nobody's doing a it. fucking gun. And he likes chatting. And I actually think he genuinely likes chatting with people. Yeah. He's yeah, not yeah, one of these arseholes yeah. who just does it because he actually does enjoy being yeah. among fans, I think. But it's just. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a miserable person. Do you think that's what it is? <laughs> it I, I I'm not sure there's much evidence of that, but I think I, <laughs> I wouldn't know what that was like. But um... <laughs> we've only got 69 I... podcasts of evidence, which might suggest that that's the case. But... Um, yeah, no, it, there's, there is something irksome about the way that he is the class clown. Yeah, on Sky Sports and these sorts of things. He is obviously very sociable and he's very nice and people like yeah. him and he they allow you know he's very. But uh, people love yeah. this kind of following round in a van reportage though, don't they? Obviously, the New Zealand Herald have got this snippy snippy guy doing it. Rugby Pass have got Jamie Wall doing it, who we had on a few weeks ago. He's going round in a van as well with a camera. It's obviously a thing to do. Anyway, so yeah, I think I think it's a bit shit and I think Quinnell should be utilised a bit better. Maybe by well, sitting next to Miles Harrison at. instead of Stuart Barnes, perhaps. Yes, or in, you know, analysing... Because Harrison's things. a little bit posh and a little bit schoolmasterish, but actually, I don't mind him. I don't mind no, his, don't his shticks, all right. What else? What have you got that's shit? Um, shit. Uh, Sam Warburton was a bit yeah, shit. No, Rory I'm not having Best that. was a bit shit. Yeah, Ian he was. Henderson was a bit shit. He was a lot shit. Yeah. Um... Jonathan Joseph, those angled runs were going nowhere. There was nowhere, a lot they? of shit to be had from the Lions, let's be honest. But at the same time, shit is people jumping massively to conclusions about this, as I yes. sort of touched on earlier. It's one game. They were jet-lagged to fuck. Half the squad didn't turn up until last Monday. 
let's just yeah fucking chill out guys right and on that we were going to do a quiz as well this week we'd have had no fucking time we'd have still been here tomorrow if we'd have done that I as know. well so this would have been longest pod ever let's well. leave I don't know what our longest pod I think we did two hours nearly once that was when we missed Jesus a week fuck. that was after Christmas <laughs> I think when I had like 18 fixtures to go through Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and for contributing and for being part of this great, miserable uh, pro-North Daily Mirror-style family. Yes. And we welcome you and thank you and we'll speak to you after what will no doubt be a very challenging week. Yes. Uh, Hold tight, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. Renting your property? You need a letting agent who doesn't just do the paperwork. Sherry Fitzgerald Lettings look after it all. From gathering references, to taking care of repairs and maintenance. From getting the tenants, to checking in with them. It's the letting service that lets you live. Find out more at sherryfitzlettings.ie Sherry Fitzgerald. It's not just about property. It's about people. Sports Social Podcast Network.